Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me is a man who can play Chopin's Prelude Number 2 in A minor flawlessly. I'm the Adam Glass, and sadly, that used to be true, but uh, then I decided to <sighs> raise a family, the war? and or, I've, oh, okay. I've forsaken my art for family. Uh, mm. Unlike So you've been a good mother. Unlike any of the characters in this movie. Hmm. Well, is Ava a bad mother? No, When no, she was no. a mother? Ava was never a bad mother, I don't think. She seems like she was quite a loving mother. She just needed to keep her child away from pawns. You're right, you're right. So, with an obtuse... Which is actually surprising, I can tell you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's actually quite hard to do. <laughs> Children see pawns and they think, fun! Yes, yes. We should probably mention what movie we're talking about before we talk yes, too much sorry. about it. Um, <laughs> We are, today we are discussing 1978's Autumn Signata, Swedish film directed and written by Ingmar Bergman, starring Ingrid Bergman, who, and some of our listeners may not be aware of this, are not the same person. <laughs> if they watch the movie, I hope they're aware that they're not the same person. Oh my god, I had no idea that Ingmar Bergman was a 50s or 60 year old uh, woman. No, he's, he's not. He's actually... Uh, Slightly younger than Ing- Ingrid, I believe, if I remember correctly. Really? Uh, at the time of filming this, though, he was married to a woman named Ingrid. <laughs> That's weird. Isn't it? Uh, and not her. But not her. Not her. Uh, this was sh- and the film was shot in Norway uh, under the uh, a West German production company owned by Bergman uh, with American and British financing uh, because... Uh, he was in an Sweden. argument with Sweden at the time. <laughs> well, it seems like that r- r- goes with the, yeah. the territory. Uh, the Sweden tax authority had claimed that he owed back taxes, and he said, no, I don't. And then they got went to court for a while. Uh, and finally, uh, everyone agreed that, no, he in fact did not owe back taxes. Um, but in the meantime, uh, for like five years, he made movies outside of Sweden. <laughs> Still in Spanish oh. with Swedish casts, though. Or in, Swe- in, Spanish. in Spanish. In Swedish. Sometimes... That would be amazing. Listen, okay? It's made in Germany with a Spanish... With a Spanish audio track. <laughs> with a Swedish cast. Would be the greatest movie well, ever I, made, I think it's. I think it's It's fine time to mention then that uh, I tried looking for this online before I got it from the library. And the only copy on YouTube... Um, because it's out of print is, is, is why I needed to go that way. Um, it's very out of print. Yes, but the only copy on YouTube was in the original Swedish with Arabic subtitles. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, A little distracting, whoever though. can watch that. I mean, all that squiggly lining. Listen, I've equated Swedish and uh, confused Sweden and Spain... I've uh, just this is going to be a very insulted, insulted the writing style of uh, Arabic, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to be do. xenophobic for the rest of the episode. I'm gonna try really uh, hard. It's a tough call. It's we'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah, there are still opportunities I could be xenophobic. I think. Oh but, yeah. But.
So this was Ingrid Bergman's last film. Uh, but not Ingmar Bergman. No, no, not Ingmar Bergman's last. This is going to be very bad. This is Ingrid's last film. Uh, her career had by this time become a bit of a joke. Um, she she'd been a pretty face for a very long time, and most people in her old age uh, started cracking about how she was always just a pretty woman and never a good actor. But she was a good actor. She's she's a great actress. She's especially great in this. Um, She'd been performing on stage for a while, um, but this was her last film. Um, I think she had one television miniseries after this, and that was her last work. Um, but she's absolutely on fire in here, I think. Um, and I think also uh, probably because her character in this film uh, sort of mirrors herself. Uh, so this movie, Charlotte, the mother, who Ingrid, Mer uh, Ingrid Bergman plays, um, is someone who values her art much more than her family. Uh, she's concert Yeah, I think pianist. it's probably a reflection of a lot of well, yeah. people in this situation. But but Ingrid Bergman specifically uh, left her family in America in order to uh, live and, and be in a relationship with Roberto Rossellini. Uh, had a daughter with him. Huh. huh. So, um, apparently she and Igmar butted heads quite a bit. Um, uh, particularly, uh, he says that she was still acting like it was <laughs> like she was in the forties. Um, she uh, memorized. I can see yeah. that a little. Yeah, bit. She memorized the entire part, uh, having practiced in a mirror prior to even like the first production read through, um, and had made some decisions and some edits to the script that Igmar wasn't wasn't a fan of, including uh, refusing to curse at all. Um. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so he became sort of the aggressive director that is a very director stereotype that he doesn't normally do uh, in order to corral her. And it worked. Uh, a later documentary about the film um, actually convinced Ingrid that she'd been wrong and she apologized for acting the way she had and said that had she wow. seen that documentary prior to them making the movie that that documentary was shot while they were making, uh, she would have acted differently, and it would have been a much easier time. So, that's a fun hmm. fact, isn't it? Yes, that is. Yeah. And you don't, yeah, you don't usually get actors saying they were wrong. Oh, yeah, no. She was... And, you know, you know it's... Um, her acting for me is a little bit over the top. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely you can you can tell it's an older school sort of thing. Um, and you know, looking looking at the other stuff she did, you know, her her work with Hitchcock, Gaslighting, and, and other thing, Gaslight rather. Um, you know, it's the sort of dramatic acting from a bygone age. It's right, was, yeah, that over emote, yeah kind of behavior yeah. and I mean it's not terrible because in in this film there's a lot of a emotion anyway distraught human being yeah. right so it's possible that they, she would be emoting that much but yeah. it gets a little bit intense sometimes I think before we get into the real meat of the story yeah it's a bit too much. Like when she's <laughs> yes, when she first gets to the house and she's in her room talking to herself it's like it's, what am I watching? It's particularly <laughs> Egregious when she's doing the asides, well, they're not asides, the monologues. Um, yeah. So when she's alone and expository dialogue delivered like that to no one, 
except the audience. Um, is is weird. Yeah. It's very it, weird. It's, it's too much. Yeah. But then once we get into the 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 meat of the conflict between her and her daughter, yeah. it's it's a the it's, the, emo- the emotions are a little bit more reasonable. It's it's one of those things that cements the idea, even though I know it's not true in my head, that films are shot in chronological order because it seems like <laughs> yeah, she's getting yeah. better. As the film yeah, goes it's, along, it's like she's becoming less of like a horrible, yeah. like less like crazy actor. Yeah. Well, it, well, yeah. No, it does. Yeah, same. Feel the same way. Yeah. Um, but and maybe know, this, this one was. I don't. I don't know. It's sometimes, possible. Sometimes, I mean, they, or at least maybe those scenes are. Yeah. Maybe those scenes were the first scenes shot, and then after, at some point later than that, uh, Igmar managed to browbeat her into <laughs> yes. normalcy. Yes. But no, yeah, she's, she's... But it also kind of submitted for me. Instead of, like, reading it as bad acting when I was watching it, I just read it as, boy, what a crazy person. <laughs> and well, so that no, kind of worked out that pretty works well. Too. Um, so, like, it for me, it didn't read yeah. too bad. Like I, like... I was like, oh, she is overacting, but she's also a nut job. Yeah. Okay. Like like last week's episode, The Night Porter, our, our, our main character here, Charlotte, the mother, Ingrid Bergman, uh, is someone who has psychologically processed her feelings as a guilt complex uh, when in fact she's just has deserved guilt. She's actually guilty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we get, you know, obviously she's not, it's not quite as bad as, as what, what the night Porter. Uh, no, 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 nothing, nothing will be as bad as the night Porter's um, quote unquote guilt complex. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, it's still, it's still there. So this movie is, oh, so, Oh man! Emotionally draining. Me up, dude. This is, this so is, here's something. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I didn't. I now realize, upon looking at Wikipedia, okay, and some other places, that the mother, Charlotte, is the main character. You want to? You want to necessarily it call it weird that? to me? It, it's weird to me, and I want to ask. But when I was watching it, I was in a serious mental debate trying to decide who was the main character. Yeah. Um, because I feel so much more compassion and emotional connection to Ava, yeah, than Charlotte. To the point where I was like, "Well, she is obviously the main character because she's the one who's not a monster." Yeah. Well, I think I think that shows a little issue with the way this story comes together, and not not a bad issue. But if I can't watch this movie and think of Charlotte as the protagonist in any sort of way, especially since that yeah. kind of means that Ava's the antagonist to a certain extent, and I think they're both protagonists. Um, this is a movie where the animosity between these two characters is well-deserved emotionally, and they're working through that emotion. And they don't really get to a point where they've moved past it. No, they don't fix it. At the end, again, you know, like a a lot of the movies we've watched, there's no resolution that fixes things. It's a resolution that just either returns the status quo. I guess there's 
some amount of hope that it might be changed in the future, but not... Well, not especially since Ava has said something she's never said before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't... Which means she can't go 100... Yeah. Nobody can go 100% back yeah. to the way you it was. You can't put the lid back on the box. <laughs> but, uh... But at the same time, she... The ending scene is her writing... Her having written a letter, uh, her husband reading it, um, in which she, she apologizes to her mother for, uh for sort of tricking her into this fight and for, for being mean to her in dragging up all these emotions. <laughs> well, um, gosh. And the mother... Which is which actually is a yeah. is a kind of miniature cosmos of everything yeah, about the relationship exactly, exactly. in one yeah. short letter which anyway. Is, which is the wonderful thing. Um, yeah, th- this movie, Autumn Sinata, um, I really feel, you know, it, it, it mirrors... Less uh, a fictional work and more uh, a song. Um, we get early movements that establish themes, and then in the middle of the movie, it crescendos into all the themes coming together and and tumbling about. And then in this epilogue, we we hint at the previous themes, and we sort of die out. Um, so she apologizes, and then we see that. Charlotte actually did read the letter, unlike some letters in the past, it's been suggested, and she folds it up and she puts it away back in the envelope and sets it down, and that's the end of the movie. Um, So, in in one manner, that is a change on her end, and a sort of hope in that. But, at the same time, Ava apologizing is problematic for Well, it is, but it's very believable. It's, It's her it's her, but it's well, her and that's what flaw. I'm saying is like her character we, flaw is that she feels the need to apologize, right? And and we what we're really touching on in this film is how mom gave her that flaw. Yeah, how that flaw is the product of the, her mother's. Yeah, and and, border, and well, basic abuse. Yeah. Basically. and like her mom's yeah. guilt. Um, you know, this is this is a movie about the inescapability of the past, which. You know the night porter touched on too. I think it's another yeah, one of those. But I'm gonna I think it's another one of those little better. pairs. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know the Criterion seems to have a lot of thematic pairs like that, or at least stuff that we can pull out when we're talking about. What's going to be the pair of our next? Movie? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the uh, I think it also it it also has a theme of sort of cycles in generations. You know, if your old man did you wrong, well maybe his old man did him wrong. Um, the Freudian importance of childhood, how how the wounds received in childhood scab over but never heal, um, and you know Charlotte talks about her childhood and and how bad it was, and at the same time, you know she's reappropriated that and made things just as bad, if not worse, for her own daughters. Which is weird because she also didn't make herself. Yeah. And you, a lot of times in these kind of history repeats itself sort of stories, mom or dad ends up making him or herself again. Yeah. In the next generation. Whereas Ava turned out radically different from her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with serious flaws, but not the same person. No. Like, we can believe quite earnestly that if her son had lived that he would have turned out very, had a very different childhood. Yeah. yeah. Now, it may have been smothering, 
because Ava might be applying all the things she never received. But it would be very different than what she had. Well, I think Charlotte's personality uh, is one where it would be impossible to create herself. I think she's she's too right, yeah. into her own fame. You know, uh, Ava talks about how she gave a recital to at the church, and they discussed it. And immediately Charlotte says, "Well, I was, I was." At, uh, and she uses the same phrase, you know, phraseology about the importance of it. That she she was before three thousand school children in Los Angeles, and and played the same piece and talked about it, and and yeah, how great that was and how important and wonderful and magical or whatever whatever she. Well, said. yeah. So she, it's a really weird thing. Uh, yeah, Charlotte's personality is a is a really trippy thing that sort of. She suffers from a, an extremely acute case of two clown syndrome, to the point where she even applies it to her own children. Yeah. Well, her child. She doesn't do it to Helena because she's scared to death of her. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think Ava's problem is obviously that she uh, she has no faith in herself. She's very, and and her mother cements that by whenever she does does something, it's like, oh well, I can do that better. Um, yeah, and, the, and like the phrase is like, "Well, I like to you." Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The worst thing ever. Yeah, just always, always trying to make Ava feel bad. And well, and she's doing that. That well, and also she's doing that unique thing that people do, where like at least at certain points where she tries to say something nice. Because she's aware that that's what she's supposed to do. Yes. But she's incapable of yes. saying something nice. So she says something not nice dressed as something nice. Yeah. So the, com- Which is, the compliment comes yeah, back as, as either not a compliment or a compliment of herself instead. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a bad person. It's true. Yeah, she is. Which is... Actually, kind of poses a problem in the story because I don't know what to say about the story. Yeah. It <laughs> because it, it's just a story of two people's relationship, <laughs> their emotions. Yeah, and it's it's amazing in that. And it's oh, so, it's a great, it's so well done. It's this great. is a great movie. This is, and I will say that like when we were watching, uh, uh, the slideshow of their son. Oh man, yeah. I bawled. Yeah, I lost it. Even even when before when he had been mentioned before, the, like Ava does an astounding job, and Victor's no slouch either, of delivering very convincing emotions about their the death of their child. Oh yeah, everyone in this movie is a great it's amazing. actor. Everyone in this movie, yeah. Is a no, I mean amazing. it's all very good. Yeah. But like I don't cry for Charlotte because no. I can't. Well, but like I think I think you yourself I should cry relate for more to Ava than to Charlotte because you, right. you have a young son who is about the age of the character son when he dies. Yes. Oh man, that is it is never good in a movie when somebody <laughs> mentions the death of a child roughly the age of your own child. <laughs> yes, that will end your night. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yes, absolutely. But like in general, like Charlotte is a weirdly is a sympathetic character in a certain sense but like you don't cry for her 
No. But you do feel bad that she's so broken. Yeah. That she was never able to connect her own that's, children. That's where... It's, it's sad. It's deeply yeah. sad. That's where the sympathy it's not the kind for of Charlotte comes in. I still wouldn't say Charlotte's the protagonist, though, in any in mm-hmm. any sense. I would definitely... You know, I've, I'd call them co-protagonists. This is Ava's but story I, I, to me. It's Ava's story. Yeah, it's absolutely Ava's story. It's the story of her life and how she is what she is now. And unfortunately... You know, I guess the only argument that Charlotte's the protagonist is that Ava goes back to exactly where she was, and Charlotte goes back, but still reads that last letter, which is a suggestion that there might be a minor change. But I also think Ava has changed. We're just not getting to see it. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like, again, if we're going to believe this is real... Like, if we're supposed to read this as real-life emotions, then it's fundamentally impossible for Ava to go back to where she was. Well, yeah. No, you're you're still right on that. That is... And, and, and Charlotte's the same way. It's impossible for her to be what she was exactly after her daughter just lambasted her I don't, about her behavior. I don't know, though, because humans are really good at pretending things didn't happen. That's true. That's true. But they're good at... Pre- but the word is pretend. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a certain level where where the pretending is strong enough. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying that both of them, when they meet the next time, will probably be thinking about what happened last time. It may not improve things for the better, like for the to the point where maybe Charlotte will never ever visit her daughter again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which wouldn't be a huge change. We, we see her reading the letter, but I do not... I mean, considering her self-centeredness, I don't think she's going to radically change that element of her personality, which means she'll say, I can't handle the emotional stress the same way she couldn't handle seeing Helena. Yeah. Which means she probably will just never visit Ava again. I mean, of course, I'm just th- I'm guessing. We don't know. There is no Autumn Sonata 2. Yes. Electric Boogaloo. Maybe we uh, should make so, it. So... <laughs> well, I, I, you know, no, no. Only if we can get like the the original cast of Grease or something <laughs> to make it a musical or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, we'll have we'll have uh, well John Travolta. John Travolta to play Charlotte. Oh, well, okay, that works too. No, I was gonna say Victor, but I was being very sexist in my uh, in my. No, he's Charlotte. He's definitely for Charlotte. sure. Uh, Olivia Newton-John will be uh, will be Eva then. Um, no, actually, I see her Perfect. more of as a, a Helena. Um, okay. <laughs> let's stop casting this. Well, yeah, let's please stop talking about this right now. But no, but speaking of Helena, um, I think I think she's very interesting because she's uh, she's a character that serves one specific purpose. Um, yeah, she's a, and and as such a, is is the flattest. Tool. The flattest person oh, to get lines I know. in this it's movie, so sad. and at the same time, as as sad as that is, it's it's kind of they do they try to flesh her out a little bit. They do with the with the story about Leonardo coming to visit and her being a kid before she was sick, before she was really sick, and then the suggestion that it was mom leaving at that point, um, that Which is not fair. It's no, it's it's not fair at all. Is entire that is the one part of that Ava unloading on her mom where I was like, 
now you're not being fair. Yeah, yeah. The suggestion would it have been good for Helena to have a mom? Absolutely. Yeah, but the suggestion that did, that her leaving her made whatever? the sickness worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is absurd. That uh, that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a sickness, whatever it is. It's a disease. Yeah, I wish I knew. And we don't but... we don't get into what it was exactly. Um, sometimes the way she acts, it, it seems uh, cerebral palsy almost. But at the same time, yeah. who knows? I don't know. It's not, it, well, we assuming it. it is not a, a purely psychological condition, which yeah. we're pretty sure it's not. Yeah. Then, like, mom yeah. leaving did not give her. I think it's. Well, I mean. I think it's also problematic on, on Ava's end um, to suggest that it was that moment uh, that that Charlotte killed Helena, essentially, and not the moment where she just put her in a home and forgot about her. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah. It, like, we, it, is, it is loosely discussed at the very beginning. Yeah. And then we never bring up the fact that, like, yeah, you just abandon your daughter yeah. at a home and have a visitor for two years yeah or something ridiculous like yeah. that and that yeah but, but at that point helena's already probably kind of used to the fact that mom doesn't yeah yeah care so and that probably that first time that mom left was more traumatic she helena helena to, gets a lot of the emotional punctuation in the movie and in one way she's indicative of the differences between charlotte and ava in you know another way, she's also uh, indicative of Ava's own psychological issues. You know, having lost her son, she decides to take care of her sister. Um, yeah, yeah. But also, it seems to me that like we don't know that is the relationship between the two sisters is one thing that I would have loved this movie to explore, yeah. which it does not yeah. really. Which we could totally explore in Autumn Sonata to Electric Boot. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, uh, no. I'm just saying that, like, we don't know. Like, it's quite possible, considering Helena's condition, and considering the fact that Mom is never there, that that uh, Ava has been responsible for her sister for her entire life. Yeah, that's definitely... And when she moved, when she got married, it became impossible for her to take care of her, and so Mom didn't want to do it so mom put her in a home and then when Ava lost her child said well I'll just go back to whatever and still is indicative of Ava's psychological condition yeah. but we yeah. I think it's probably safe to assume that she's been that way yeah. since so we, we we get to the point where is is Ava taking care of Helena because she loves Helena or is Ava taking care of Helena because she wants someone to love, and, well, and but who she feels I mean, really that's might love parsing. her back. And that's parsing. You know, obviously, I mean, obviously, obviously Helena loves her sister. Yeah, Charlotte thinks and that obviously Helena, Ava loves her sister. Charlotte thinks that Ava is taking care of Helena just as a big middle finger to herself. Um, yeah, but Charlotte assumes everything is yeah, a big. That's I mean, yeah. that's that, that we see right there in a nutshell. Ava, uh, Charlotte's problem, which yeah. is. Of course it's about her. Anyway, so so as as a shining testament to the failures of Charlotte's motherhood, uh, Helena punctuates much of the movie. Uh, we get, at the end of the, the climactic 
uh, discussion where they're really emotionally laying into each other, and and Charlotte gives the the big, or Ava gives the big, uh, "You're the real problem" speech to her mother. Um, they get loud enough to wake up Elena, and she drags herself out of bed and starts yelling for her mother to come, and that ends that scene. And then we get that little. Well, but I think it's important. There's a there's a it doesn't end with Helena shouting come it yes. ends with Charlotte telling Ava you are correct there to to do it to yes. go take care of her which yes. I think really it digs into the yeah. heart of what has happened between and Helena and I think forever. that that cements their relationship in a little bit because even right. Charlotte recognizes that Ava is more of a mother to Helena than she ever was and I, I think at that point, it's less her own fear of interacting with Helena and more, and possibly just an acceptance that of that. Probably, I think it's also probably more guilt at that point. Well, yeah. Um, I, I mean, so I think can't... she's accepting it out of guilt. But I think... Right, yeah. I think, I think that's the only... But she also gets, uh, a few minutes later, she gets another emotional punctuation, um... Uh, yeah, after that, um, Charlotte's left, and she's on the train talking to Paul, who doesn't respond, and she's essentially having another monologue. And Ava's having her own monologue in the cemetery, uh, where she's presumably visited um, the boy's, uh, her son's grave. Um, though I don't, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to, I say presumably, maybe that was spelled out and I just missed it. <laughs> uh but she has uh, she has this this monologue about thinking about committing suicide and then deciding not to. And she goes back and she sees the light on in Helena's room and knows that Victor is talking to her and that's good because he's kind. Um, but then we go to Victor and he's explaining that Charlotte has left and Helena just loses it because she knows. I think that that is the last time she's going to see her mom. Well, yeah, I mean, it's. I think I think that 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 emotion there is is that she knows that it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's it's deeply tragic, but yeah, I I think probably like I said, it's probably over for both of them. Yeah, yeah, for both Helena and Ava. I think that's true. As too. far as their mother is concerned, because the way Charlotte, if memory serves, is talking on the train with Paul, right? Yeah, is very sounds like a person who's already put it behind them. Yeah, and is not going to deal with that situation again. Well, I it's mean, like, it's oh, thank God you came when you did, or whatever. Kind of, it's the same sort of. I need to. I need to do this performance. Instead of dealing with my family, it's, the, it's what she's done the entire right. time. Right, but this is the first time we get to see her vocalize it yeah. in real life. Yeah, we. In fact, we've never seen Charlotte's half of it. That is also really. true. That is also true. Up until now, and then we get to see what she does, what she says. Yeah, how she takes the situation, and she bottles everything. Realizes that she. Yeah. she lets it be that work is more important. Than dealing with uh, her family issues, and that's very sad. <laughs> it is, 
And it's it's just generally sad that she even yeah. produced children. But I still think I still story. think that that very ending, with with her actually reading the letter, and presumably keeping it, um, is a suggestion of something breaking through. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. It's definitely could mean that that's supposed to be, but I think that's probably make that one of the most unrealistic parts of the story yet. I suppose that's that's also in that, a valid in that, point. Like that that becomes that becomes nearly fantasy at that point. Yeah. The idea that this woman who has spent thirty what what fifty years probably on her career and at least thirty years ignoring her children is gonna suddenly change because one of them yelled at her. Now mind you that would be very impactful. Yeah. But it's not going to make her less interested in herself. True. True. Yeah. It's just I would I would love to know what happens in the story, but I think that's what makes it good is the fact that it just oh exactly doesn't tell us. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I would, but that I mean, it draws you in. Yeah, and, and and not in the and not in the magic disappearing virgin portal way, in like the good way. Yeah, it's not a it's not a picnic at Hanging Rock cop out. It's a, it's the yeah. There's no cop out. The here. lack of resolution here is 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 purposeful and emotional instead right. of it's just better uh, we don't know. Just someone trying to uh, write a bad mystery story <laughs> it's a, it's and then a, failing. It's a mystery we can't answer. Yeah. yeah, no, like I mean, I just yeah, I I want to know, but we'll never know. Yeah, and that makes it great. Yeah, yeah. And and like it's just it, it oh man this movie tore me up you know not to not to compare it to too many things but but it's it's kind of it's kind of the the same as at the ending of uh, Inception you know it's it's just there and it's open to interpretation Inception is open to a lot more interpretation than this movie by all means but well, uh, yeah but but that very ending moment the 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 period that is really kind of uh, an ellipsis if anything. Um, is is there to make us talk about it? You know, what does it mean? What does it mean that? Yeah, yeah, and I I prefer you know, these kind of let's talk about it yeah. situations to yeah. The did the top fall over yeah. sort of situation? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that this is a this is a talk about a real human being, yeah. a real situation okay. that we can analyze as real human beings, and we and hope we could analyze this. You know, I said I I oh yeah I, no, I said that are. that she's keeping it. You know, but she also put it back oh, in man, I the do envelope. Not know if she's keeping it, we don't know that she's keeping it. You know, yeah, that's how I read I, it at I first. Have but thinking about doubts it, doubts about it. You know, she's just as likely about to throw it away. It's not like she held it well, to her chest and and had a tear right, in her right, eye. Yeah, I, we don't we don't see her like. She doesn't really emotionally you know, yeah. react to it, at least not in her face. All she does is the physical action of putting it back in the envelope. We know that she read it, and with the suggestion that there are letters in the past that she has not read. Right, that that might be a novelty in and of itself. Yeah, but we also know that the last letter her daughter sent her, she did read, because she showed up right, at their obviously, house. obviously, because she came, yeah. yeah. Which, I like to imagine that there is a, there is a... It's possible that she just showed up at the house without reading the letter. <laughs> I don't think that happens. <laughs> it would also be hilarious, but no. Yeah, I mean, she obviously does read some of the letters. Yeah. And even though there is the implication that there are letters in the past that she didn't read, I think those are more letters when they were younger. 
Well, when she was like, I, I, I don't know because like the one if she came to this one visit. The one we explicitly hear about is Charlotte says that she wrote her when Helena when she brought Helena into into their house when Helena moved in. Oh yeah, and she and and um, I'm sorry, Ava says that she wrote to Charlotte when Helena moved in. Uh, too many, too many right, pronouns. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you. <laughs> anyway, so Charlotte says Ugh, that that all these names. Yeah, Charlotte says that that letter must have gotten lost, and and Ava looks sad for a minute and says, or maybe you just didn't read it. Well, and that's the weird thing about it is like, and then Ava's. I you know I had forgotten about that. Yeah, which makes it even more interesting that Ava's apologizing at the end for surpri- like basically emotionally trapping her mom. Yeah. When if her mother had actually read the letter, she would have known that it, uh, Helena was there. Yeah, absolutely. Man, Charlotte's a lot of bullshit in one person. <laughs> she absolutely is, and and she is she is tragic in the amount of bullshit she's creating for herself, and Ava is tragic in the amount of bullshit she's allowing herself to accept. But um, at the same time, we're the we're tra- in a situation like this. We're talking about very seriously different dynamics, oh, yeah. right? Because Ava's tragic because she's been made to believe bullshit. Yeah. Because if she didn't believe the bullshit, how could she have functioned as a child? Absolutely. You know. Whereas Charlotte built the web of bullshit for herself. Yeah. Which makes her tragic, but less tragic than Ava. Well, but at the same time, we well, get, I mean, we get the idea that, that her childhood is what built up that right. That and so, her. Yeah. so you know, it's not Who like knows. she she made herself, but she's not trying to unmake herself. And Ava, right. for a few brief hours, is trying to unmake herself and fix everything, and then just goes back. Yeah, it's. This yeah. man, this story, yeah, and, you know, yeah. I mean, and, it's, it, it, but it's yeah. And Ava is also the sort of person who thinks her problems are solved when she has a child or someone to take care of, and that's that's a different yeah. sort of psychological problem. Um, and, but also one that makes perfect sense from an absentee mom. You know, he, well, and 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 like it's weird because we we. That brings us to the abortion, which is very, very, like, offhandedly mentioned. Yeah, no. When which that, is really weird. And Victor listening in at that point, and his facial well, and reaction. he said earlier he does not ask about her yeah. past. Yeah, Victor, Victor very clearly puts forward that he doesn't care what's happened before they met. Any past relationships, any past indiscretions. But he also and even yeah he he makes a face when he sees but yeah. at the end we still see that yeah he still cares deeply oh for yeah him. yeah so and that's one thing that this movie never he still does. is standing by his thing after Charlotte shows up uh, Victor and Ava never really have a conversation until the end I know it's really yeah I know that like we were probably dealing in that situation more with like well we only have a certain amount of screen time yeah. Uh, in the end, I really would have loved to see because, in my mind, Ava was the main character. Her relationship with her husband and her sister explored more thoroughly. Yeah. But again, that would have made this like a three and a half hour or four hour movie. Well, but at the same point, this is only a ninety minute movie. 
That's and true. we could have pushed it. it. Could have been we longer. could have pushed it to two hours. But on the other hand, the emotional levels of this movie—if we pushed it to two hours—I might have wanted to kill myself by the end of it. That's true, and and I think it's probably better as a tight ninety minutes, yeah, than a me trying to see if there's a way to, you know, in yeah. my own life yeah. using only a couch cushion. Yes. Um, two or two and a half hours that it could have really been. Though, though speaking of which, uh, the first night she's there, Charlotte's dream about someone sneaking into her room and trying to smother That's so her. Weird. Um, and that that mirror of her emotional and psychological state being, uh, she believes that her daughter has that that Ava has tricked her into coming here and confronting her with Helena with with the as I said, the glowing, uh, the glowing pedestal of her failures as a mother, um, and and to have that reflected in a dream that you know it's pretty clearly meant to be Ava's hand uh, of Ava smothering her uh, in confronting her with past mistakes, <laughs> which is a weird thing because like we were early enough in the movie. That for a very brief moment, I'm like, man, this movie's taking a really weird <laughs> yeah, turn. Yeah, where, where, where you actually like, believe we, it's happening for a second? Yeah, I did. For like just a very short yeah. time, I was like, oh my god, what kind of movie is this? Yeah, fortunately she wakes up pretty quick, and, and you know, we don't need to, we don't dwell yeah. on that, but, you know, and that leads to the, Midno- yeah. to the midnight conversation that, that is everything. Of this movie. Yeah, that is the movie. Yeah. Basically. How long is that midnight conversation? I kind of wonder. Oh, I didn't time I it, didn't, but it's pretty I didn't time it, but I'd say it's got to be at least a 20-minute scene. Um, Bergman calls calls movies like this his chamber movies. This as opposed to, say, uh, The Seventh Seal. You know, they're, they're tight. They're a small cast. They're a small set. Um, well, and if we had to compare the two... I don't think I we like have to, but more. I, I no. I think I said if we have to. <laughs> yeah, I I I, I couched it. But yeah, no one's but twisting your arm and comparing things. But, yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, we did decide to make this podcast, so I think it. I think it is interesting, though, that Bergman himself uh, had problems with this movie, um, and I think he blames Ingrid Bergman. Uh, for uh, for some of that, um, that he, in dealing with her, he wasn't able to focus on directing, um, and went a bit rote, and and uh, he started filming an Ingrid Ber- or an Ingmar Bergman movie instead of uh, instead of filming, you know, like he was mimicking himself in in style. Instead of pushing pushing into something new, which is what he usually tries to do, um, I don't know. I I loved it though, yeah. so I don't know. It was really great, and and you know, every everyone involved was really great. The the coloring was great. The, the cinematography, the uh, you know, obviously with an emotional emotional movie like that, you know, like this, you need a lot of close ups. Um, but but yeah, they, I mean, they're all done very well. It's very beautiful. How it's all shot as well, um, and that we get all those. It hits everything right. Um, I would say that this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. 
You know, as far as like, it, and it's weird because this is definitely one of the the least movie like movies we've watched so far. Yeah, there's we're real. It's all emotion. It's all this. Like, yeah, I guess his like you said his chamber movies where it's just our set is the size of my apartment. Yeah. And yeah, like well, it's, it's, it's just a pretty a big house. Type. That's true. But, yeah, I know, but, but I, we're only but, in like I mean, four like, rooms and two of them look identical. That's what I mean. So <laughs> it's it's a very nice and I'm using nice as in like well crafted story. Yeah. That like really makes you feel the emotions and really hurts to watch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I like it and I'm tempted to buy it. But I'm also not sure if I would ever, ever watch, be able it again. To watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Without like, because like the emotional experience of it is just so much. It's so intense. Well, is there? Do you, how's your relationship with your mother? Perhaps you could watch it with her, and then you guys could have a nice conversation. This movie would hurt my mother so much. <laughs> oh no! Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I I can't. But that's a weird thing. As a father, it hurt me just in other ways. But I almost can't imagine any mother watching this movie without walking away feeling hurt. Yeah. Like, feeling like, am I Charlotte? Am I doing this to my child? You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be really... I, I'm glad I'm not a mom. I'm glad you're we not a mom, too, have Pat. Well, I'm, we probably should have gotten one for this one, but... Oh, if we could have pull a woman into this. Oh, we should always pull a woman into this. Pat, well, you know I think I mean. one of our like, principal problems pr- is that we're uh, we have we know no women. We're two white guys talking about these. I'm I'm married to the only woman I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're married to the only woman and, I know. So, no, that's see, there you go. Um, no, I think. Um, where was I going? But no, I would have loved to hear, hear a mother's perspective on this film. It would be very fascinating to hear. Yeah. These are two incredibly well-crafted characters, incredibly round characters, and they have their issues, and they have their advantages, and there's, there's good and bad about each of them. Charlotte, by and large, has made a lot of mistakes, but you know, I think they're still good in her. And it's interesting to me that uh, last week's movie, The Night Porter, was our first female director. And is such nah. It it the movie really <laughs> treats its women very badly. Um, in that there's really only I mean there's two women in it, but the female character who who is the principal in the story, um, is rubbish. Well, yeah, we got into it <laughs> yeah, last. Yeah, we, we talked about it last rehash, week. But there's, like, there's there's yeah, a lot the of women problems. in this movie. Yeah, are the probably the most believable. Probably two of the most believable characters we've encountered in the however many yeah. movies we've watched so far. Yeah. They are one, despite the fact that that first scene of Charlotte, like I said, reads either as overacting or crazy. Well, you know, the, I, it, it reads is, as crazy because very, she's so realistic, but she's still talking right. out loud to herself. And that's, right. that's and movie that's convention I mean. that like, makes it crazy. really, yeah. Yeah. But in the end, just two extremely believable characters interacting. Yeah. 
I mean, they could have done that in voiceover, um, but I don't know if it would have made it any better. No, I like her talking out loud. I like her talking out loud. Voiceover would have been weird. Yeah. Because she's having a conversation with herself. And in voiceover... And it's not, that's not an unbelievable thing. It's just the amount she emotes during this conversation yeah. with herself. Yeah. That is weird. The, the talking to yourself, people like to say, well, that's a movie thing, but am I the only person who talks to myself? Well, no. Obviously, obviously we all talk to ourselves, and we all talk to ourselves out loud. I usually don't have a ten-minute emotional conversation with myself. No, that that, uh, that is true. Instead of talking to the person downstairs who I'm thinking about. Um, but... Uh, I like to th- also think that I deal with uh, my emotional states a little better than than Charlotte. Right, right. Does. We so. neither of us are pretty obviously, yeah, crazy people. I'm, so, yeah, we don't know what crazy people are like when they're alone because then they wouldn't be alone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> observing it would completely ruin it. Right, but yeah. So I think we can end the podcast. I, I think we've... Yeah. This is a great movie. Yeah. Um, it's all it needs to be said. Unless you have something else to add. I don't think I do. So I will say that uh, next week we are swinging this pendulum way, way far away yeah, from where we, we are. We are going on the other end of the of the universe here. Yeah. Um, next week's episode we'll be discussing The Life of Brian. Um Written and starring the Monty Python troupe, uh, directed by Terry Jones. A, uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, a satire of religion and politics uh, set against uh, first century Judea. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. I'm Adam Glass once again with Pat Dorgan, as always. We'll see you next time. to Lost in Criterion, a production of With Two Brains. The show is hosted by Adam Glass and John Patrick Owatari Dorgan. Jonathan Hape did the music, and Adam Glass also edited it all together. Feel free to contact us by email via lostincriterion at withtwobrains.com or join us on the web at www.lostincriterion.com.